Are your sales letters garbage? Find out on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by SEM Rush. Started in 2008 with one mission, to make online competition fair and transparent with equal opportunities for all. To find out how SEM Rush can help you compete with the big boys, go to servenomaster.com backslash SEM Rush today. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now. Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. When you're first starting out building an online business or any type of small business, you often have limited funds. You want to accomplish as much as possible, spending as little as possible so you can get to the black as quickly as possible. I've seen so many ventures that start out with a great deal of money crash and burn because they're not responsible with that money. When you have a massive amount of money, $25,000, $50,000 or $100,000, you're not as cautious about how you spend it and sometimes you can spend on things that take you nowhere. But for most of us, we're not going down that path. We're trying to really build our business and one of the first areas we really hit a wall, hit a bunch of challenges with copywriting, writing sales letters, writing emails, writing opt-in forms, the things that get people to take action. This is where we can start to have a bit of a struggle. And you write that first sales letter and you hope you did everything right, you put it out there, and then you have to ask yourself this question, is this gonna work, is it doing any good? And the only way to really find out is to buy traffic or send traffic and show that sales letter to a bunch of people. A lot of new people in business are struggling and so, we try to go down the JV path, which is where you borrow traffic. We talked about that a few episodes ago when we talked about find, borrow, or buy traffic. And borrowing traffic is where you get someone else to send their customers to your sales page. But here's the thing. You only get one shot at that. If you put up an offer and the people start to send it, customers to that page, and the page doesn't make sales, the page doesn't convert, the page isn't profitable, it doesn't hit the numbers they're looking for then you've burned that relationship forever. They'll never give you a second chance. Getting a first chance is really hard. Getting a second chance is pretty close to impossible. And the way affiliates and JVs measure the effectiveness of a page is called EPC, earnings per click. If I'm your first affiliate, the first person you convince to let me borrow some traffic from me, borrow some of my traffic, what I'll do is send an email out to my audience. I'll send an email out, and let's say I send an email to a thousand people. I then measure how many people click inside that email and go to your sales page. So if I send a thousand people actually to your sales page, that'll be a hundred percent click-through rate, which never happens. It's more likely that let's say 10%. So out of a thousand people I send an email to, a hundred people click the link and go and look at your sales page. Your conversion rate will be how many people out of a hundred bought. So four people make a purchase out of those hundred, that means your conversion rate is 4%. And that's okay. That's actually a pretty good conversion rate for a sales page, not bad. But what's more important is the price. What are you actually charging for your product? If you're charging $7, that means $28 comes in. So out of 100 clicks, $28, your earning per click is about $2.80. However, that's only if you're giving the affiliate 100%. If you're giving the affiliate 50%, their earnings per click is $1.40, and they might decide, or they might be someone who's used to making a higher number, and they'll say to you, look, your number's not high enough. If you want me to continue to mail, you have to either raise my percentage, somebody earns who it goes above $1.50, or you get to part ways because your conversion rate's just too low based on your pricing. You can also try and raise your price and see if the conversion rate stays static. Raise it to $9, and if you're still converting at 4%, 
then again, you have a happy affiliate. But this is where we go into split testing, experimenting. But before all of that happens, you still need to have an effective sales letter. A poorly written sales letter can actually convert at zero. It's very normal for someone's first sales letter, first squeeze page, first efforts at copywriting to be a cold hard zero. Copywriting is not easy to learn, but there are a few tricks and tips that I can give you to make sure that you're not putting out pure garbage. Number one, structure is more important than content. A bad sales letter, bad words written in the right order will be more effective than good words in the wrong order. If you're not sure what I mean, imagine you're watching an infomercial and it starts off with saying, 1995, wait till you see what we're selling. And then it begins to tell you about the product. That infomercial won't do very well. They show the price at the wrong time. What if the mistake was even smaller? They go, 1995, you can get everything you see here. In fact, we're not gonna charge you $100, we're not gonna charge you $80, we're not even gonna charge you $50. Wouldn't it feel weird if they did that price drop technique after you already knew the price? Of course it would. And that's only moving things around by about 30 seconds. But that's all it takes to throw off the flow of a sales letter. And there are actually a couple of really good structures and templates going out there for the order of a sales letter. And you can find them online and there's different places and I follow a pretty basic structure. And I'm working on putting that structure into a new book I'm working on so eventually I'll release mine. But it starts off with the subheadline. Who's this for? Attention. People with this problem. Headline. How would you like this solution? How would you like this benefit? Subheadline. Secondary benefit. Or disclaimer. Without spending all the money you have. And then you begin to go into your personal story. Here's who I am and why you should listen to me. Here's the problem I'm solving and the benefits for you. Imagine a life like this. And as you flow through the story, the structure is very important. So the first thing to look at with a new sales letter is the structure, the order of events, the series in which things happen is absolutely critical. You don't have to write from a template. Most of my better letters aren't written for a template. Instead, they're written through a process of reverse engineering. Now, reverse engineering is not the same as plagiarizing. Plagiarizing is very naughty. It's a common mistake. Copywriters especially new copywriters or new product creators, they'll steal a sales letter. They go, well, it's not a book, so I'm not plagiarizing, but in fact you are. Stealing from a copywriter is uncool. It's very dangerous because if that copywriter catches you and you've just stolen two sentences, they can take you to court and argue that those two sentences are the reason you made every single sale you made and they can demand 100% of your profits. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's not a good feeling. Don't put yourself in a vulnerable position. Reverse engineering is where you look at the structure of a story. It's the same reason that the drum rhythm to a song, it's not owned. Anyone can play that drum rhythm to any other song. When someone copyrights the lyrics and copyrights the music of the song, the drumming is never included. This is why drummers often feel like they get the short shrift, but the beat, it's too common. There's only so many beats. There's only so many rhythms. It's a very limited area. And for that reason, it's not considered unique enough to defend or to argue no one else can play that rhythm on the drums again. Because if we had that rule by now, there'd be no more new songs. New songs would have stopped about 40 years ago or 50 years ago. There's just not that many different rhythms you can play with the drum kit. In the same way, the beats of a story are not copyrighted. You can replicate the rhythm of Star Wars if you want to tell a story. In fact, most movies and most books that are trying to do the same thing, that's what they do. They start off with you getting introduced to someone in trouble, then they shoot to another scene and begins where they find someone who's living a life that they're not fully satisfied with, or they have evil step-parents, or they have some type of problem in their life where they feel limited, and then begin to go on a journey. If you watch a lot of really popular movies, they follow the same structure. 
and structure is okay to replicate because it works. If you look at music, there's actually a company or a team in Sweden called the Hit Factory. That's what they do. They look at the perfect structure of a song and they can look at a song and say, this will be a hit, this won't be a hit. Here's how you change it. The majority of top 10 songs in the world are in A minor, C major, for almost all in the same key. Additionally, one out of every 10 top 10 songs in England has the word angels in the title. Another little tip, if you're English and you want to have a big hit, put the word angel into each of your song titles. Better chances. Knowing these little things allows us to manipulate the odds, but when we're working on a sales letter, what that means is you find a sales letter that's after the same market as yours. If you're after the weight loss market and you're specifically targeting people that are trying to lose weight after having a baby, the postpartum weight loss market, if you will, you find a similar product that's not quite the same. Maybe what you're providing is a jazzercise program or a weightlifting program or a diet. You can find a postpartum yoga weight loss program out there and you find their sales letter that's doing well and then you look at the structure in the same way I began to talk about the Star Wars structure. You look at what's the order in which they say things. How do they start their introduction? And you want to take their script and break it down into story beats and again you don't want to copy down a single word from their letter. You can start off with saying you know personal introduction or benefits or problems and you try to really just narrow down the idea of what they're talking about or the section. And sometimes we can break a sales letter down, a simplified sales letter like most of mine are 20 sections or less. Sometimes they're just 12 or 13 more simple structures. But if I'm doing a video sales letter or a reverse engineer, sometimes I come up with 50 parts. I break it into different parts. You know, there's a part that I call the worst moment of my life where they talk about the worst thing that ever happened. In this type of sales video, this is where the presenter will say, I just had my baby, I was so fat, I thought my husband was never going to touch me again. I started having medical problems. The doctor told me I couldn't sleep next to my baby because I might roll over on top of my child and kill them because I'm too heavy. They start describing the worst things that happened in their life and that's where they have their moment of revelation and I call that the worst moment of my life. And that's a moment in the story, that's one of the most emotional stories and it's the most emotional moment at the peak of that story. There's other part of the story, we talk about visualization. I began to think, what would it be like to be skinny again and to have people look at me again? What would it be like to have my husband jealous of the way other men were looking at me again? I began to long for that. Can you imagine what that would feel like? And we're talking about the future and you can call this a future progression or visualization. There's lots of names for it, but the idea is you talk about things in the future that the listener, the person watching your video or reading your sales letter could imagine happening in their life. And if you look at all of my sales letters or sales videos, you'll recognize certain components. There's the part where you offer proof or evidence. Evidence of the problem. Here's how many people gain weight after having a child. Here's statistics about it. Here's how many people never lose the weight. Here's how long it takes the average person to lose the weight. 70% of women end up 20 pounds heavier after having a baby. 60% of them struggle and never lose the weight. These are statistics, so we're using a little bit of science out there. Here's evidence, here's a quote from a doctor at the Mayo Clinic. There's that type of evidence. And you say, well, why should you listen to me? For most fitness things, it's a picture of fat and a picture of the same person skinny. Here's the before and after of me. More evidence could be pictures of people that have been through your program before and afters. We love those. Testimonials from people. My husband hadn't touched me in eight months. I went to this program and now he can't keep his hands off me. You saved our marriage. Kimmy from Arkansas. That's testimonial, proof, a type of proof, and that's a section. So as you're designing your letter and as you're wondering if your letter's working, you can look for similar letters and see if your structure's in the right order. Often the easiest thing to do is to move sections around it. This is why most of my sales letters, most of my sales letters on Serve and Master start out as long form sales letters. They start out written as text, 
so that as I'm tweaking them, someone who's coming and looking at them, I sometimes I talk to coaches or experts, they'll look at the section and go, these two sections are out of order. Here's the shift you need to make. And moving the section around quite easily, and sometimes you can move the sections around and you'll find that your new version of your sales letter is better. And of course, there's software that will do that. So the first thing to look at when you're wondering if your sales letter is going to work or not is the structure. The second thing to do is find a good structure out there that's working. The third element to see if your sales letter is garbage or if it's gold is to look at your proof. You can never have too much proof. And in fact, with most of my sales letters, I start out with just proof. I'm currently writing the Kindle Sniper sales letter. I've already written some sections of them. All I really have done is gather proof. And some of my proof has changed, so I'm gonna do some tweaks. But before I write any words, I organize and structure the proof. That's everything to me. Proof, proof, proof. That's why I run reviewer contests. That's why I do everything I can to encourage and reward people for feedback. That feedback turns into that type of social proof evidence. And it's only one type of evidence. We also want to see evidence of paychecks and direct deposits and life changes. This is why in the 80s, every time you saw a late night commercial, it was a man standing in front of a boat with two beautiful women next to him. We would say, wow, he's got a boat. He must be really successful. And two women. Those women would only hang out with that guy if he was rich. He must be rich. So we look for the accoutrements of success. When I first got into internet marketing, there was a, a particular guy that everyone would say, oh, that guy's the best. If you can get him to promote your business, your life is gonna change. And I saw the guy at an event once, and I said, are you sure about that? Because he's wearing $10 jeans. He's not wearing expensive clothes. The next day he wore a suit that looked like it was about 30 years old. And everyone said, no, no, you're wrong. He just dresses like that, he's just old fashioned. I said, I don't know. Those jeans don't look old, and they also don't look comfortable. And then several people I know did business with the guy and nothing came of it. It turned out that his business had died a long time ago. And so noticing these little things, it's not me being judgmental, especially when you're dealing with your business, you look for little clues that you should or should not do business with someone. This is why sometimes we have to dress up, just as though we're going on a first date. In business, we do the same thing. People look for those secondary things. I could talk about living on the beach all the time, if you're listening to this, which of course you are, you can hear the birds around me. You might even be able to hear the ocean in the background. I try to eliminate the background noise. But I live on the beach and there's so many wild birds here and there's such a beach environment that it's hard to hide. Recently, someone asked me to record a video and they said, do you have a green screen? I said, of course not. I record everything outside. Now, one of the challenges is that it's very noisy here. It's not always easy to get that quiet recording. In fact, I need to record a video later today for a sales process. The first one wasn't working. We did a full rewrite and I have to find a quiet moment or a place where there's no construction, there's no people, so I can do my five minute new video. It's hard to sometimes get that, but people look at the backgrounds of my videos as confirmation that I really do live on the beach. Sometimes I see people that talk about living an island lifestyle and every single one of the pictures is taken indoors. Very suspicious. Those little things add up. That's why you see a lot of pictures. I mean, in fact, the only places that you'll see pictures of my family or pictures me out doing something is in my sales letters because that's the one point place where it really matters. That's proof that I really do live a great life, a life that other people would love to lead too. And I always say that, right? You want to follow people who lead a life that you, appeals to you or that you desire to be in alignment with. And living on the beach is something that appeals to a large number of people or the freedom of it. That's why I take a lot of pictures outdoor. That's why I shoot a lot of videos outdoor. I record all my audio outside. I could record indoors where there'd be less background noise, but I don't want to be inside. I'll be absolutely honest with you. If I'm recording inside using my Zoom setup, I have to turn off the air conditioner, turn off the water cooler, turn off all the fans to get a really clean audio sound. And when I do that, it is too hot. I'm in paradise, I wanna be outside. I have never recorded a single section of one of my books and any of my dictations indoors. I do them outside. I'm either sitting at the front of the restaurant or sitting on the dock or walking around in between. 
in my front yard. Now, I am in the middle of negotiations to take over a house that I may eventually buy that's about 500 meters away from me, still on the beach. And when that happens, my recording location will change a little bit. But I'll still be outdoors. I just might be standing on my porch more often. But circling back, the elements of your sales letter. If you don't have any proof, if you don't have any testimonials, you're gonna have a lot of problems. Nobody wants the first person to try something. Another critical element that you'll notice in every sales letter, every offer, is a refund period. Look, giving refunds is the worst feeling in the world. I hate when someone messages me for a refund. It just, it feels bad. There's no way to describe it. It feels bad and you watch all this money that you had just disappear. Someone to buy something, if you go through the entire course, consume it, absorb it, and then ask for their money back. It's as though you're in a restaurant and you serve someone dinner, they eat everything, and they go, oh, we don't like it, I want a refund. It's like, we well, ate everything. But that's life and that's necessary. Having a refund policy will help you make more sales than not having it. And so depending upon who you are, you can do 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Some people do 365 days. They say, hey, if you decide you're not satisfied a year from now, you can still get your money back. And for all my courses, I do 30 days, and for my services, if you hire me to ghost write a book or for coaching, there's no refund policy because you're buying time. But if you're just buying a course, a book, training, you can return my books to Amazon. If you buy a book from Amazon and don't like it, you can refund any of my courses if you're not satisfied with them. But I work very hard to make sure that doesn't happen. But having that refund policy increased the number of sales I made. At first, I didn't have a refund policy. When I was first building Servant Master, I was like, I don't have time to invest and sell someone a course and deal with refunds. But as soon as I had things a little structured. After a few months, I added in the refund policy and the sales began to increase accordingly. People feel a lot more comfortable. They can go, oh, if I buy this, it's not what I'm thinking about, it's not what I'm looking for. Here's a change I can make. The good thing about a refund policy as well, and in case mine, you have to email me because I have to click the button to refund it. I don't have a customer service team. When I get that email, I can find out and say, well, what was wrong with the course? What was missing? And in fact, someone just did a refund on me. I was very nice about it. To make up for the refund, he did a great review of one of my other products. And I said, well, what were you expecting? What was missing? And actually, his feedback is going to become the next product I create. Feedback can be very, very, very valuable. And so there's a benefit to having your refund policy to you in the end, and it's a critical component of a sales letter. We go through all these parts, there's all these different components. So when you're creating your sales letter, make sure you have the right structure. Look at the beats of the competition. Look at the components. See if you're missing a particular component. If there's no picture of you, if there's no pictures of success, if there's no proof, if there's no testimonials, any missing piece can cause a problem just as much as if there's no buy button. Sometimes the problem is the price, but usually it's not. If your product or offer is converting at 0%, if you send a thousand visitors and no one buys anything, changing the price isn't gonna fix it. It's not a price problem. It's only when you're making sales but not enough that you can begin to test elements like the headline and the price. As always, getting a little feedback can be valuable. If you wanna email me a link to your first sales letter efforts, if you wanna send in the things that you're working at, you know that I'll take a look at it, I always do. I answer every email personally, as people are often surprised to find out. So I'm happy to offer you that feedback and help you get an extra set of eyes, it can really help. I've spent a great deal of money on hiring copywriting coaches to help me overcome these hurdles, to give me a second set of eyes on what I'm working on, to let me know what they think of the things I'm working on. It really helps me to get an external view, and I take their advice a lot of the time, but not always. Sometimes I'll look at something and kind of see what they're saying and I have my own opinion on it, and what I then do is split test our two ideas to see which is more effective. But these are things that you can do. These are ways that you can improve your sales letter. And having an extra set of eyes, having extra feedback helps, but the first phase is to really try and get it right. We've talked about copywriting a great deal in the past. As always, I recommend downloading my Ultimate Swipe file. It has tons, tons of amazing classic ads you can copy by hand and see the structure and really get a feel for powerful language. It's one of the best ways to get good at copywriting. It'll really help you. 
improve and master this process. But at the end of the day, the only way to really get good at copy is to learn by doing. So even if you're an absolute beginner and you're writing your first sales letter and you're nervous because you've never made a dollar online before, that's okay. You can do it. If you want me to take a peek at it, send me an email and I'll check it out. I'm happy to do that and I'm excited about that. And now you know exactly how to check to see if your sales letter is garbage. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back tomorrow with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Serve No Master podcast. Head over to servenomaster.com backslash podcasts right now to find out how you can win a free copy of my brand new book.